Money Roots is made possible by the support of our sponsor, Rooted Planning Group. Are you ready to take control of your financial future? Look no further than Rooted Planning Group, your trusted partner in financial well-being. At www.rootedpg.com, you'll discover a wealth of resources and expertise to help you thrive financially. Rooted Planning Group specializes in personalized financial planning, investment management, and retirement strategies. They understand that every financial journey is unique, and they're here to guide you every step of the way. With a team of experienced advisors, Rooted Planning Group is committed to helping you cultivate a secure and prosperous future. Visit www.rootedpg.com today to learn more about how Rooted Planning Group can help you grow your money roots. Every week, it's my goal to share financial information that helps you in both your life and financial vineyard. We hope it takes you from your roots to the journey of your vines and the influences and in the air that have helped craft your delicious life. Like wine, life and finances have different palettes that should be celebrated and not judged. Welcome to this edition of Wine and Dime with Amy Irvine and Anne Arcio. Welcome, Anne, again. (laughs) Thank you, Amy. Happy to be here. So Anne and I are meeting fairly early in the morning to record this podcast. So instead of talking wine, we were talking coffee. <laughs> so I'm a, I love coffee. Like coffee is, there's my two favorite. I was actually asked once if there was three things that I, from a doctor, like three things that I couldn't, wouldn't give up or would never want to give up. What would it be? And I said, coffee, wine, and bacon. <laughs> I love that. (laughs) And I think they responded the same way you did, Anne. And they were like, okay. So I like, uh, I love coffee, especially with coconut milk in it. That's Mm -hmm. unsweetened coconut milk with just a little bit of vanilla. And it just does it for me in the morning. And, uh, and when I was uh, fasting not too long ago for some blood work and, and stuff that I had to have done, they told me I could drink black coffee. And I'm pretty convinced that I would give up coffee if I had to drink it that way. <laughs> How about I you? Agree with you there. <laughs> I, uh, I, uh, yeah, I need definitely need a cup of coffee in the morning. Love some half and half in it. Um, mm. And not really particular with the coffee as long as it's strong and hot (laughs) (laughs) but I definitely just enjoy the ritual of just having that that cup of coffee in the morning too I don't want it wimpy I want it flavorful yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah, and actually um my doctors have told me that the more the stronger the coffee the less acidic it is and it's actually better for you so that's my story and I'm sticking to it just like more is better for you (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, speaking of needing some strong coffee, we've got a strong topic to talk about today. Um, Anne and I wanted to talk about saving for college when you have young children. Um, many of our clients, uh, well, it's really across the board, but we do have a few clients, uh, probably about a third, that are looking at this as a, a challenge or a competing goal that they have in their life is saving for for kids when they're younger to know what the, you know, sort of what the right amount is and how to save it and how to split it up, especially when you have all those competing goals. So we thought we'd start with talking about number one, what are some of the vehicles that actually could be used in saving for college? Because I feel like 
similar to um, the for the retirement savings worlds, there's all these initials and there's all these different types of That's savings true. vehicle. And people really don't know the pros and cons of all of them. We're going to attach to the show notes kind of a summary of what we're going to be talking about. So make sure that you explore the attachment to the show notes and out on our website as, as we talk through some of this. But probably the most popular one is 529 plans. A lot of people hear about that. Um, and do you want to talk just a little bit about sort of the minimum investments, sort of a little bit about how they work? Yeah. So a 529 plan um, is a college savings account that that has to be used for um, education expenses, um, or there's just some different tax implications if you use the money for um, something other than education expenses. So um, it's a great vehicle because it offers some some tax breaks and different states have different rules. Um, if you put money in, you can invest it. And as it grows, there will be no taxes on that growth as long as you withdraw the money and use it for the qualified education expenses. Um, and as I was saying, different states have different rules. Um, I'm in Colorado and um, you can contribute up to 10000 a year and get um, a tax break for that $10,000 that you contribute. So that's a really great benefit. Um, other states work with a lot of clients in California and they don't offer that, but you still get the benefit of having um, that tax-free growth on the money that you invest. And, and it's a really great account. It's easy to set up. A lot of the plans have um, age-based investments, which will <laughs> offer you diversity and will automatically get more conservative as your child gets closer to college age. So there's not a lot that you have to do. Um, and you can usually put in, a, you, you can start with a very small amount um, and you could even do $50 a month and um, start there. And mm-hmm. you can mm-hmm. also, um, like our plan makes it really easy to send a link to grandparents or aunts and uncles for a birthday present and, and have them contribute to the account, um, which I think is a really neat way to, mm-hmm. to support um, kids and maybe, you know, something different than just another toy. Um, so, yeah, I think it, it's a really great account. It's the tricky part is we don't know the future. I have a a three and a six year old and I don't know for sure that, you know, that college is going to be in their future though. That's, that's what we hope and work towards. Um, but you can also change beneficiaries. So if, um, you know, one went to a college and they got scholarships or they, um, you know, it was less expensive. We could also change the beneficiary and use funds for the other child. Um, so that's an option as well. And that was packed with a lot of, so one of the things too, because we also work with a lot of clients in Florida and and, uh, New York, New York has uh, the $10,000 tax deduction as well. Florida doesn't have state income taxes, so it doesn't really matter. So they don't have that, but they do have some really beneficial plans that are out there. And one of the things that you said about... you know, that's so if if you do have a state that's like that, one of the things that we'll often look at is to put that much in so you get that state tax deduction and then start to look at other savings vehicles on top of that just to make sure that you don't oversave in a 529 account because of the potential uh, withdrawal restrictions that would be permitted on it or prohibited. I, not prohibited, I shouldn't use that word because you can always get the money out, but I would say the taxability of it if you do do take it out. And just as a reminder, some states actually allow you to use it for K through 12. Mm, that's a good so, point. Yeah. 
And now you can use up to $10,000 worth towards student loans. So that is hugely beneficial. And they added in the sort of trade school uh, coverage uh, now as well, which is I think hugely beneficial. We need Mm -hmm. more people in the trade. So I'm thrilled to have that in there. And then finally, one of the things that I always remind people of is if you do get scholarships, you can withdraw up to that scholarship amount. You pay tax on the income if there's an income portion, but not the penalty. So if you do have a brainiac child, like in his children, <laughs> then then they get really good scholarships. You can withdraw from the 529 that amount and not have to pay the 10% penalty. You do have to pay tax on the, on the growth, but not the 10% penalty. So again, there is ways to get money out of a 529 plan if there's scholarships. Because a lot of times people will say to me, well, what if my kid gets a ton of scholarships? That's Okay. You know, we pay tax on the money that was that it w- that the five twenty nine grew to be that you pull out, but you would have paid tax on that if you put it in a brokerage account. Mm-hmm. So it's That's you're right. not any worse off on that one. Mm-hmm. So then, kind of moving to what used to be a very well known, very rarely used vehicle anymore, and not the most preferential because, um, just as a reminder, folks, five twenty nines are counted as parental assets. So when you're filing that fabulous FAFSA form, it's considered a, uh, an asset of the parents, not of the child's. But the next vehicle, what we call an UGMA or an UTMA, which is a Uniform Gifts to Minors Act account. So many, many years ago, these accounts were used to shift assets from a parent to a child with the child being in the tax lower tax bracket. Well, Regulators caught up on that one. <laughs> and now they're like, well, you can still do it. But if there's a certain amount that the UGMA accounts or UGMA accounts earn, then it gets taxed at the parent's tax bracket, not the child's tax bracket. Um, very rarely used anymore. Do you, I mean, I, I think some of the old accounts still exist, Dan. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, it seems like the... The UTMA has pretty much replaced the UGMA. I don't, I think yeah. I've only seen one and that was some years ago. Um, and I think just in, in general, these accounts are a little bit trickier because once you transfer the money into that account, it's an investment account, but it's you're managing it for your child. And once you give that gift to your child and you put money in the account, that's irrevocable. You can't take that money back unless it's used for the benefit of the child. And it has to be above and beyond the normal care that you would provide, mm-hmm. the food, the clothes, things like that. So um, you could use it to to pay for college expenses down the road. But the tricky part is that each state has different rules about when it when the child can take control of that account. And in some states at the age of 18, those assets become the child and they the child's and they may not want to use that money for college. So, you know, most of us thinking about an 18 year old getting a big chunk of money and in some states it's 21, age 21, but even 18, age 21, that, you know, that's not something a lot of us would feel very comfortable with. So there's just less, <laughs> less control over those assets once you put them in that account um, and rules for how you, you need to track it if you take any money out. Yeah. And they are the child's asset on the fast. Mm-hmm. So they are counted much heavier than like the 529 or any parental assets are. And then there's the, <laughs> I don't even know, there's very few people that actually ever used this, but there is the Coverdell savings account. Uh, I don't even know. I mean, they, they that was sort of like, 
They called it an education IRA for a while. The limits are very low, like $2,000 per beneficiary, which $2,000 per year saving for college doesn't get you very far. You can use K through 12 expenses on those. Um, but again, very restrictive account, very rarely used anymore. Have you seen any in a while? No. Um, yeah. I mean, just knowing how low the, the limit is, I, we've yeah. always gone in the direction of the 529 plan. Yeah. It's pretty rare, pretty rare type of account. And there were, um, phase outs for who could actually contribute to these accounts too. So I don't think that ever took off. Uh, you know, once 529 plans started to really make their, um, I want I, I guess you want to say uh, spotlight presence, I think more and more people went that direction because if grandkids or if grandparents contribute to 529 plans, for example, the limits are so much higher. Like they can use mm-hmm. it almost as a gift exclusion type thing. So I think the planning strategies just went right to those 529 plans. So those are kind of the top uh, top savings plans that a lot of people think about when they think about saving for college. But we like to think a step further than that as well. And um, one of the things that we kind of combine saving for college with those, because if, if you remember, I said a few minutes ago, 529 plans we like you to get that state exclusion if you can, because that helps a lot of people on their taxes. But then going the next level and saying, well, if you have more money that you can actually save for your child's education, where would you put it? And that's where we start to get a little more strategic in the location and thinking about things like a Roth IRA or a brokerage account. Uh, and why don't you share a little bit about the benefits of saving in a Roth IRA for education? Well, I think one of the the biggest things that we were we were saying is that it doesn't have to just there's no restrictions on what that money has to be used for. Mm-hmm. Um, so with a Roth IRA, you're putting after tax money in um, and it grows um, tax free. And when you take that money out in retirement, you're not paying taxes on it either. Um, it's not specifically designed for education. You can put in the contributions that you make to it. So if you've contributed $10,000 to it, you can take that out before age 59 and a half um, without any penalties on that. Um, The limit on it is fairly low as far as what you can contribute each year. Um, You can contribute 6,000 is the limit right now. Um, and I, I mean, I think it, it's a good option for people to have a Roth IRA just to offer some tax diversity. If you're saving in mm-hmm. a 401k or a traditional IRA, mm-hmm. um, I don't always know that we recommend that specifically for college, but I think it's another tool that could be used. Um, and then, you know, beyond that, there's a brokerage or a taxable account, which doesn't have any restrictions. There's no, um, income restrictions with a Roth IRA. Once you hit certain mm-hmm. income limits, there's um, you have to do something called a backdoor Roth IRA contribution, which I won't go into all the details of that, but it it's just kind of this workaround once you hit those income limits to be able to contribute to a Roth IRA. Um, with a brokerage or taxable account, you don't have any of those income restrictions. You can put in as much as you want. You can use the money um, however you want. Um, the, the drawback there is that you pay taxes on growth and, and dividends and income as you go. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a great option. As Amy was saying earlier, if you max out, if you put if you live in a state that offers a tax deduction for, um, 529 contributions and you max that out, but you still want to save additional funds, 
opening that brokerage account um, gives you the flexibility to continue saving for your child, but also to use it in a different way. If they didn't go to college or they needed less than you thought, um, you could choose to gift that to them for a down payment for a house or a wedding, mm-hmm. or you know, mm-hmm. you could use that account in a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Roth IRA is one of those things that it, when we talk about competing goals, <laughs> you know, one of the things that I always like about you know, adding, like putting the two together is to say, well, if your child does get good scholarships or something, then you've now just put a chunk of money away into a, a Roth IRA. And the same is true of a brokerage account. It's, it's challenging um, to... <laughs> When, when people are having, when they have young children, they're usually at the beginning part of their marriage too. And their career often might either be mm-hmm. early or middle part of their career. So trying to come up with the cash flow is mm-hmm. the challenge. Like ideally, sure, would love to be able to fully fund a, a 529 plan and a Roth and put some extra money in a brokerage. But what if you can't? Mm-hmm. Now, what, what then, what, how do you, how do you sit down and decide? I mean, that's where the priority goal setting comes into play, I guess, but what are some ways that people can kind of think about those competing goals that I mentioned earlier, map that out? Yeah, we often, then what you were saying with the, um, priority making the, you know, that the goals and putting them in a priority order, um, which is what we do when we sit down with clients is saying, Um, and we just met with a couple that have a one-year-old and a three-year-old last week. And we were asking them, um, you know, where does college fall in the list of priorities? Would, is that number one, would you be willing to work, you know, additional years and and push off retirement because you're going to make sure that your kids graduate without student loan debt? Um, is it, you know, you're okay with your child paying some of their education, you want to contribute what you can. So I think sitting down with your spouse and having that honest conversation, Mm -hmm. Um, is really important. And I, I mean, I, I do think that you can take out loans for college. You can't take out loans for retirement. Mm-hmm. So um, even though, you know, it's not our place as financial planners to tell clients what their priorities should be, um, I do think that making sure you take care of yourself and you're knocking down that high interest credit card debt and you're saving for retirement is really crucial. And that doesn't mean that you can't start even really small with a college savings account and asking grandparents, Hey, instead of, you know, another toy on a birthday, would you be willing to contribute a little bit to the 529 plan and, you know, building that up over time and increasing it over time. Um, But I think really making sure that you, you know, are taking care of your finances is important. None Mm -hmm. of us, you know, my husband and I, we don't want to someday become a burden to our children. (laughs) You know, I think a big fear for, a, a lot of parents. Um, so we want to make sure that we're being responsible with our finances and um, trying our best to balance all of those goals. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it's hard because, you know, you're at the, you're a little bit more advanced, but some people are at the stages where they're having children, they're buying a house, they're changing jobs, they're changing locations. It's really, it's it's great for us to have this conversation about the different ways to save when you have young kids. But I do think the earlier you get started on mapping some of those numbers out, the the more you're going to understand those what those numbers look like. In fact, one of the things that I did was uh, I kind of sat back and said, "Well, what if what if you had a one and a ten year old?" Now I re- I split it between one and ten because I wanted to show the variance in the dollar amounts that need to be saved. If you start when a child is just basically under one, versus if you wait until an, a child is ten years old, 
So I um, created fictitious children and said, you know, one is under one year old and one is 10 years old. And the dollar amounts for saving to fully fund college. Now I did an average when I look at like the, the cost of college, as far as a goal, I sort of did an average state school. Um, the, the idea being that, uh, you know, you fully fund their four years of education, basically, if they were under one, it comes to about 12,000, almost $13,000 a year. If they grow at zero, if the assets grow at 0%. So that's if it, you know, if it, if you had zero growth, so you didn't invest it at all. Mm -hmm. Well, obviously you want to invest that money, (laughs) Um, but if they grow at 5%, now that that requires a lower contribution per year because, and 5%, I think is pretty realistic. Actually, it's probably a little low on the growth side. Mm-hmm. That is going to fully fund the education with a lower dollar amount. But I always like to show like high and low. So in that example, less than one years old, maximum contribution, if you just put it in a savings account, would be approximately $12,000, $13,000 a year. Now, again, if you're able to take a little more risk and and get about a higher rate of return, that's going to lower that contribution. Now, waiting 10 years, so dollar for dollar, so example, if you wait 10 years, you have to put $15,000 in per year. So it's a big difference, mm-hmm. Just, you know, if there's any way that you can contribute, even like you said, Anne, $50, then it really does make a difference. One of the, um, one of the things that my husband and I did, and I, I just think that you mentioned giving links to your family members when, um, when you have a 529 account, when the kids are really young, they don't notice the difference between getting a toy and getting a contribution to their 529 account. They don't have a clue. So one of the best ways for grandma and grandpa and aunt and uncles to actually make a huge impact on their respective grandchild or niece or nephew, in my opinion, is to do that. Because if you as a parent um, don't have to contribute as much because you've got family members that are also dedicated to education. That can be such a huge reprieve on the the various goals that you have, the competing goals that you have. And taking that into consideration can make a huge difference. And when my nephews and nieces were young and still are, actually, that's sort of what we did. Birthdays, Christmas, any special, like anything special, we contributed to their 529. And you know, I've got a couple nephews now that are starting to get up there towards graduation that are looking at that account and saying, oh, I can use that money. <laughs> oh, that's neat. Yeah. And, and the good thing, I mean, it's under my name. And so it's not under the parent's name. It's actually not under um, the child's name either. So when they go off to college, this is not money that they have to claim because technically I could change the beneficiary. And, you know, so they don't, they don't have to claim this. And starting in, depending on the college, starting this year in 2022, they don't have to claim it on the FAFSA as unearned income. Now the CSS profile, some colleges do, but that, that changed this year. So that's a big deal. Oh, that's great. Yeah. 
So any other thoughts that you'd like to share when it comes to saving for kids' educations when you have, when you have small kids or when you have those competing goals? I think, you know, I think we covered a lot of great topics and probably it was a lot. (laughs) You know, we're certainly here to help if you have questions and, um, and, you know, want to work with us on that. But I think just sitting down and talking about it with your partner and and talking about those goals and opening an account and starting small. um, I certainly know what it's like to have competing goals and and having such little Mm -hmm. ones that you don't know what the future is going to be. And, um, you know, what their college ambitions are going to be. But I think just, you know, starting small and um, making sure that you're also balancing that with saving for retirement and paying off any debt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. a big one, right? In your own student loans, maybe even. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a topic, a whole nother topic that we're going to get into next month. So, <laughs> well, we hope that fun to come. <laughs> yeah, right. We hope that you've enjoyed this show so much and dig into the show notes with the summary that we've provided. We'll, um, we'll provide to you folks. As always, if you did like this, please feel free to share it with your friends, your family. We know this is an important topic. We'd love to hear from you on more questions that you might have. Uh, make sure that you uh, like us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook, of course. Uh, and if you do have a particular question you'd like to know more about, please send us some notes and ask us those questions. We'd be happy to feature them in future podcasts. Thanks, everyone. And that will about do it for today's episode of Wine and Dine. You can contact Amy through the website, www.rootedpg.com or amy at rootedpg.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram at rootedpg for the latest news. And if you have any questions, comments, or topics you would like to hear about, feel free to let us know. And don't forget to rate and subscribe the show wherever you get your podcasts. And again, thank you for listening and be sure to tune in next time.